The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss the limitations of Zoom meetings. Joining us is Melissa Kwan, who is the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar, which is the leading automation webinar platform that saves people from doing the same webinar over and over and over and over again for sales demos, marketing content, and onboarding. eWebinar turns any video into an automated webinar that you can set on a recurring schedule so you never have to do the same one twice. And in addition to providing us with our guest today, eWebinar is also a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. Yesterday, Melissa and I talked about why Zoom calls aren't scalable. And today we're going to continue the conversation talking about how to retain a prospect's attention. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Melissa Kwan, the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar. Melissa, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Happy to be back. Always a pleasure to have you here. Excited to continue our conversation I don't know about you. It's almost 11 in the morning, my time. That makes it three in the morning, your time. (laughs) Yes. Only for you, though. (laughs) I appreciate you, Melissa. Uh, We talked about yesterday how Zooms can make you tired. It's exhausting. And we feel this sort of need to get in front of our prospects one-on-one to build that connection. But in reality, you could spread a wider net by recording some of the content you're producing and letting them consume it whenever they want to. And you could still have an interactive experience by using technologies like eWebinar to replace the constant influx of one-on-one meetings. But the big question for me is how do you keep everyone's attention? I can sing, I can dance, I can pivot, I can change my tone when I'm on a Zoom call. I could see you're yawning, I can wrap it up quickly and just get to the point. I don't have that ability when I've recorded a video. So talk to me about some tricks for retaining prospects' attention when you're using a pre-recorded piece of content. I think there's four key parts to it. Number one is not making it available once a week or once a month, like a traditional Zoom webinar that we might know of. Maybe it's a training session or a demo session that happens collectively once a week. The key to retaining someone's attention, number one, is making sure that they're watching it at a time of their convenience, not yours. So having a flexible recurring schedule, something they can join on demand right now or in an hour or tomorrow so they can actually fit it in their schedule so that they can attend. That's step one. We're all living on our own timelines. 
we read the same news, we watch the same videos, but really on our own time, especially now that most people want to or work from home in some form. You have to give people options to consume it now or later. And number two is it's got to be tailored content. What I mean by that is imagine if you're running a Zoom webinar for a thousand people. That content is generic. It's for a thousand people. A lot of times people have this obsession with live, thinking live is better, live is more personalized. How can live be more personalized when it's actually made for a group of people and not me? When you're pre-recording content, you have the opportunity to make much more tailored content for a specific user group, for example. So maybe it's beginners, intermediate, and advanced users, right? So you can actually tailor content, make it tighter, make it shorter, make it higher quality for specific groups or specific parts of your product or specific parts of your offering. So when content is more tailored to me personally, I'm more likely to stay. And if content is tailored, it's also more likely to be shorter and keeping me more engaged. All right. So you mentioned two key points here. Number one is you got to give people the ability to consume the content when and where they want to consume the content, right? That's a no-brainer. That's the whole benefit of pre-recorded content is you can make it available so people can consume it. Well, let's say when it's not three o'clock in the morning, Bali time. <laughs> the second point is you can actually fine tune your content for specific groups. You're not creating one universal piece of content. So let me ask you a follow-up question there. I'm recording a, a sales pitch and you mentioned intermediate, advanced, and beginner, right? If I'm doing a sales demo, am I creating different webinars for ICPs? How are you thinking about segmentation? Where would you be creating different types of content to keep people engaged? I think you can create different demos for different industries. I see that a lot. So it could be a demo for the real estate industry and then a demo for the insurance industry or a demo for large enterprise and then a demo for SMBs. You actually have the opportunity to do that. And then the chats from there would maybe route to a different salesperson because of the content you're delivering. We have customers that before automating, they would do one generic onboarding training for all their users because nobody else was going to run that training. But after automating their content, they were able to dig deeper into different parts of their product and make 10 different trainings for the same product that they weren't able to do before. That's just two examples of how you could potentially do that. I could think of a couple different ways to segment. You mentioned by industry, by pain point, by level of experience. Maybe there's new customers, upsells, retention. There's all sorts of different ways to think about creating pre-recorded content. And my thought is when you're having reoccurring meetings, when people are asking the same questions, then you can be creating content to address those specific needs. You mentioned that there are two other ways to avoid losing your prospect's attention. What's opportunity number three? Number three is making it engaging and interactive as if it's a two-way experience, not a one-way video consumption experience. I'm inviting you to participate in this webinar with me. So it's not like when you're uploading a video on YouTube, you're watching it, you're consuming it. You might be able to type a comment, but no one's responding to you. You don't really expect that. That's not how you communicate. But when you're automating a webinar, for example, you can program in interactions. So things like button overlays that you can click on, hotspots, you can have questions, polls, quizzes. All this stuff is not only for keeping the attendee on your screen and not losing them to Instagram. From a marketing perspective, the more you run this, the more data you're getting for your own product and service to better your own presentation. So it actually has a two-way benefit. But we see that if you have an interaction that pops up every two or three minutes, 
a lot of people, like up to 95% of people will stay until the end because throughout the experience, they're actually doing something. So it's more like interactive TV and less like a video that I'm watching. I think my sales demos are really entertaining and really engaging. And Melissa, you've gone through my song and dance here as a sponsor of the MarTech podcast. So my approach here is to take a consultative approach. I am always starting my meetings with asking the other person to tell me about who they are, the problem they're trying to solve, the customer they're trying to reach, the other marketing tactics they've used, what are they expecting from the channel. And the more that they start to tell me about their business, the better I am able to tailor my sales pitch to make sure that I'm addressing their needs. Is there a way to do that when you're in a webinar? Can you have like a choose your own adventure type content where tell me about, are you trying to build awareness, drive demand gen, or launch your own podcast? Pick one. And when they pick one of those three options, you present different videos. Can you do choose your own adventure? So that's a different type of technology. That's not something that we do. That type of technology is called interactive video, where you get to choose your own adventure. But what's interesting that you say that because salespeople are incredibly hard for us to sell to because every salesperson will say, oh, but I need to tailor my pitch. If they don't hear my pitch, they're not going to convert. I have to tailor my demo. I've done this so many times that I've actually come up with a script, an on-demand script structure that is guaranteed to convert your prospect without you ever talking to them. And there are five different elements to the script, which maybe we can put in the show notes of this episode as well. But there's a way to structure your content when it's on demand to address your prospect's objections before they even come up in a way that guides them through a thinking process so that they would convert on their own. So to sell to someone one-on-one is fairly easy because you can address their objections right now. But if you're delivering a sales pitch and you know you're not going to talk to the other person, there's actually a way to do that, which will increase your chances of success. All right. So we're going to create content and enable our consumers to be able to choose it on demand. They're going to be able to pick the right place and time when they want to consume the content. We are going to make specific content for each different type of user based on whatever segmentation we decide. We're going to keep the content engaging by prompting the users to give us information. What's the last way to keep their attention? The last way to keep their attention is making sure you have a chat option. And when I say a live chat option, I don't mean like you have to be there 24-7, right? It's an asynchronous chat option where it's it's just like any support bubble that pops up. When you go to any website right now, it'll say, hey, Ben, can I help you today? You know that when you type something in there, you don't get an immediate response. You'll get a response through email. So that's the type of chat that needs to be there for this kind of experience is people have to know that if they have a question that they have the opportunity to reach out to you but they have to be able to initiate that. If you don't have something like that, it's very easy for them to bounce, right? They have to look for your email. They have to look for some, maybe another way to communicate with you through their website and then they're gone. So having a chat bubble there, a live chat option where they can type any question to you for you to be able to respond in real time if you are there and respond by email later if you're not there is really essential to this experience because it makes people feel like they have a connection to you, the host or the moderator, if they need. And that actually is how you can scale this kind of content without losing the personal touch, which is traditionally what people are scared of. It's always been the concern for me. You mentioned salespeople feel like they need to have their pitch, their demo. I feel like I'm a great salesperson. I can sing. I can dance. I can answer your questions about marketing. That builds credibility. But in reality, I might be better served being able to answer people's questions as they come in as opposed to making them go through my calendar, which turns out 
Hey, I'm recording podcasts. I'm building infrastructure for podcast production and I'm trying to do sales. My time is really a scarce resource. Being able to get people's questions and feedback and answering them all in a batch might actually make for a better experience. The last question I have for you, one thing that you didn't say was you have to do a great job producing the video. You got to look beautiful. You got to have the right lighting and angle and a script and a teleprompter. And honestly, one of the reasons why I haven't done a lot of pre-recorded content myself is I feel like I got to get my S together and be able to record this perfect video. And I just don't know if I have the infrastructure for that. How much does the actual video polish matter? I think it matters a bit, but not as much as you think. So the clarity of the video, of course, matters. It can't be choppy. It can't be blurry. But if you're talking about production quality, I would say like 95% of videos that I've seen are Loom videos or Descript videos. They're screen records with your little head bubble on the corner. The reason why people love webinars is because they're authentic. It gives people a sense of who you are. It's not a produced educational commercial that is clearly scripted, right? The reason why people like webinars is because if you screw up on something, you say it again. And that gives me an idea of who you are and what your personality is and whether I want to work with you. So it's just like any live Zoom. If you mess up on something, you're going to say it again. Why can't you do that on a recording? So I think not letting the idea of being a perfection stop you from automating is really important. I would encourage anyone to take their first step and even take a, maybe a recording that they've done in the past, like a webinar replay, and just automate that as your webinar replay. Like just tell people this is a webinar replay and just get a sense of what that process is like, what that workflow is like. And then once you start seeing success, you're going to be way more motivated to record new things on your own. But as you record, people ask me all the time, what should I record with? I just say like Loom or Descript. And both of those things can record your screen in high definition. And once they upload it, it's almost like watching a Netflix video. It sounds so counterintuitive. And the video polish, God, I got to have something that looks really put together and beautiful, and that's going to help drive sales and prove that I'm professional. But we're seeing the same thing in advertising. What's performing the best? It's the iPhone videos on social media perform way better than something that is a polished TV commercial. People are looking for authenticity. They're looking for personal connection. They want to understand who they're working with, who they're seeing in social media, right? We've gone through this whole wave and what makes good social content. We're also seeing it in the sales process. And truthfully, being human and showing some of the warts, some of the flaws, the oohs, ums, and ahs, just like in this podcast, actually make it feel real. It makes it feel authentic. It shows who are the people behind the show and that they are, in fact, humans and Maybe that makes up for not actually sitting down with them in real time that you're still just you, even in a pre-recorded fashion. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Melissa Kwan, the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar. If you'd like to get in touch with Melissa, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Miss Kwan, that's M-S-S-K-W-A-N. Or you can visit her company's website, which is eWebinar.com, E-W-E-B-I-N-A-R.com. 
Just one more link in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to your weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.